Welcome to the Talk with Clads podcast. Your host is Katie Ann, an island girl on a journey with her guests to learn about their backgrounds, businesses, passions, experiences, life lessons, and wins. Come and laugh, cheer, learn, and plan with us. My friend, take some time to come and talk with Clads. Hello, world. Welcome to Talk with Clads. My name is Katie Ann, and I will be your host for today. We have a special, special guest in the house. His name is Mr. Timothy Wollaston. He has over 30 years experience in the informational information technology industry, which 20 years of that experience has been consulting. So very excited to hear about Tim and his background. So everyone, please give Tim a warm welcome. Tim, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much, podcast land. <laughs> so Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself and also about your background. Okay, uh, a little bit about me. I am um, IT, software developer. I migrated to the, going way back here, I migrated to the United States in uh, 79, born in Britain to the proud parents of uh, from the Caribbean. Um, they both uh, were born in the sunny Caribbean and uh, they migrated to the uh, England in the uh, 60s uh, where uh, half of uh, the family was born. I am one of nine, and <laughs> um, yes, one of nine, and I, I fall somewhere um, in the lower of the nine, uh, third from the last. So, uh, two younger brothers and the uh, my siblings. The rest of my siblings are are much older, and um, went to you know grade school, middle school, and high school in uh, the Northeast uh, Connecticut, uh, where we migrated to. And um, I moved to Florida in 1994, where I've been living ever since. So did you move with your parents from Connecticut to Florida? No, I actually moved. I didn't like Florida. I, I, visited, <laughs> <laughs> I visited Florida as a kid a few times with my parents when I was in school. And uh, every time I visited, I just didn't like it. It's just like they had trees that looked like q-tips like you know <laughs> you know up north you know you have those oak trees that span you know both sides of the the road and uh, just green and lustrous and in florida it's like they just got these little sticks with a uh, little green stuff at the top so are you talking about our palm trees <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> yes but i still didn't like them because you know it, it wasn't the greenery but as i got older and uh, you, you realize that you know the hurricanes do come through <laughs> and wipe out the vegetations and it, it takes a while to grow back um so yes i moved um as an adult um you know, without my parents uh, to Florida in 1994. Uh, I had my um, first uh, child, um, was born in, in Florida, and my second, and my third. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you, has you settled through, um, for, did you do IT when you were in Connecticut? Yes. Um, you know, taking a step back, um, yes, I did do IT uh, in Connecticut, but I went to a what is called a, a trade school, you know, it's known as a technical school. Yeah. Um, so I went to that type of a high school. Uh, my, my, my parents was big on um, getting your hands um, dirty, so to speak, uh, to make a living, like, you know, whether it's to physically do something like a carpenter or an electrician. Um, so we went to a trade school and that type of trade school, uh, your freshman year, you, you went around and you did the different types of trades, um, cooking, um, a barber, you know, auto mechanic, auto body, carpentry, electrician, you name it. And I settled on um, being um, a body repairman. Oh, really? Yep. So uh, I settled on that uh, for sophomore, uh, junior, and senior year, and um, that's what I did and wanted to do when I uh, left high school as a trade. 
So, and, hold, so what made you made the switch? Because I that that's that's a nugget right there. Because I didn't know that. Were you a body no. repairman for real? Yes, yes. And to this day, <laughs> if you want me to, I, I can paint your car. You can. Yes, I can. I can. Uh, I can repair your car. I can paint your car. Um, I actually painted my mom's car. I painted my dad's car. Uh, you know, just for free, just because I wanted to change a color. So I did that for one year. It, it was funny. I, I was talking to um, a co-worker of mine, and it, it's funny what motivates you, right? Um, talking to a co-worker of mine back then. And, you know, getting out of high school, I was making as a body repairman, and this is in the 80s, uh, early 90s, but late 80s, um, mid to late 80s. So I'm dating myself here. I asked my coworker, you know, which I wasn't supposed to do. I'm surprised because I didn't know the rules, right? Etiquette working in the workplace, um, how much he made. And he said uh, he made uh, $21,000 a year. And I was making 12500 And I thought I was making a lot. So 21000 in the 80s, that's, that's what, probably like six figures or... A, a little, even like a yeah. cost of living. Yeah, a little less, right? Because in the eighties, my parents' mortgage was one hundred and sixty-two dollars. Oh wow! Right for the house. So yes, so you know, uh, it, it seemed like a lot, but it it a little, but it was a lot. Yeah. And so yeah, twelve thousand. I, I thought of on the top of the world making twelve thousand five hundred, but he was in the the auto body business at that time. For he had been doing it for seventeen years. So. I said to, I mean, doing the math, I said, man, I'm making 12500 now. I didn't want to have to wait 17 years to almost double what I'm making. Mm-hmm. So I knew what I wanted my life to be like as an adult. I knew that I like nice things. <laughs> and I knew that nice things cost money. Yeah. It's really, it, it boils down to that. So that got me thinking about, you know, do I really want to do the body work? And then I went on for one year doing the body work and I was painting cars and, you know, wearing the mask and, yeah. you know, uh, you know, when, and coming home, you always had to take off your clothes and, and shower. And, um, I looked at, you know, when I took off my clothes and I was getting ready to take a shower, I looked in the mirror and I noticed, you know, my face was yellow um, my nose was yellow. My eyelids were yellow. And I said, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And literally, I quit my job like that Monday. And I enrolled back in school. Oh, wow. And uh, I went to, um, uh, because um, the, the technical type uh, of school was in my nature, um, and I, it worked for me. Um, I found a technical school in Connecticut that taught um, computers. Okay. So it wasn't your traditional uh, four-year college, right? And that's all they did. They taught uh, a computer uh, on, actually on an IBM. Um, so basically classes were from 9 a.m. till midnight. Okay. So you had the – so – the the theory in the class and the teaching was from nine till lunchtime, which was twelve, and then you had your projects from one o'clock to midnight to get your work done for the following day. So that got me into the IT business, and um, I chose IT because I didn't want to work with my hands anymore. Okay, I wanted to uh, use my head, and which was which I thought would be less stressful. Um, just to make a living and I wouldn't have to get my hands dirty and come home and have to, um, you know, basically shower twice a day. You know, now I'm in Florida, you have to shower three times a day, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, that was my, my driving force, um, into choosing it, into choosing it. I wanted to work with my head and not my hands. Okay. So when you chose it, how long was the process with school and Coming out of school, did you have a plan? So the process was, and I like the process because it was uh, 24 months. And it was, they, they didn't teach English or math or Spanish. It was just every day, all day IT. Yeah. And so you learned a lot. So it was, it was an accelerated uh, learning. And 
it, so it was so 24 months and I, I didn't know the my trajectory I didn't know what that would look like right right at the end of my journey some people they know ahead of time that hey I want to be in management and then these are the stepping stones that I need to take to be in management I, I didn't have that I just knew that all I had to do was start somewhere and then once I start things will just get better from there okay um so no it didn't didn't have a plan uh per se in because i i didn't know i would end up being a, a consultant um i didn't know i would end up working for you know fortune 500 companies i just didn't see that far ahead okay so now you're into it or you've you've left school it such a large sector so, you know, you have software developers, you have people that code. So what area of IT do you specialize in? Okay, good good question. So it, looking back on it, 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 I wasn't purposeful in my plan. But as I look back on it, I, I, I knew what I didn't want to do, which the opposite would be you would think you would know what you wanted. Right. Um, so I knew I... I I, I didn't want to be the norm, so to speak. And what I mean by that is I didn't want to be easily expendable. So if you had a skill that was desirable, I knew at an early age that if a hundred people in your circle knew how had that skill, then your worth wouldn't be that much, right? And if there were just a handful, then instead of you looking for companies and and interviewing and sending your resume all over the place companies would pursue you because you were a handful mm-hmm. that possessed that skill set so I, I i knew i wanted to be in that small group so i didn't go for the the easy path so to speak in it which uh folks would uh, you know, whether it's fixing computers or whether it's, um, you know, manning the, the help desk, you know, you buy a computer and you, you call the help desk and, you know, that's a foot door. That's the entry level into IT. You know, I, I didn't go to MIT, so I, I wasn't the, the, I didn't have the skill set to design computers and, and, but I wanted to be the next best thing without going to MIT and that's designing the software. So in essence, I, I had a plan, but I didn't know I had a plan, but it wasn't purposeful. Got it. So expand a little bit more about the area of designing software. What are some things that you did or, or currently do with, with on that path? Okay. Um, so I am a software developer now, but I wasn't always a software developer. You, Unless you went to MIT uh, or or a school that specializes in that, um, you know, having a computer science degree, um, you had to start somewhere. And the entry level is um, being a computer operator. Um, and back in the day in the 80s, the, the information was stored on what we call a, a, a tape, a real tape. And it was about 16 inches uh, in diameter. And you would uh, basically put it on what looks now today. Um, computers back then was the size of um, a refrigerator, oh. literally the size of a refrigerator. And if you imagine the refrigerator is about seven, nine feet, you know, seven or eight feet tall, and you would put the real tape on those large computers, and that's where it will store information or read information from so my very first job out of um, computer school my job was to when the computer asks for it i would go into the media room where all these tapes were stored and if it says hey um, the computer said retrieve and load tape number you know one two three four you would go get that tape you would load it it will do its thing um back then i didn't know what the thing was 
and I would load the tape. And when it said when the tape was completed, it would say either load a blank tape to store more information or load another tape. And um, that's what I did at um, I was working second shift um, being in IT, a new or to the job. You didn't get the coveted first shift right you got second or third shift i think so. it's still like that today we're okay. any job that you go in you're not gonna get the pick of you know the the, the top picks they're gonna put you typically in the in the ones that the tenured people don't want to do exactly so that's what i did just changing it was a mundane job it was you know i knew that's not what i went to school for although that's what i part of what i studied but i knew i needed to start somewhere and I did that for about four years, got familiar with the hardware. Um, I was getting familiar with the software, um, just understanding, okay, yes, I'm putting this tape, but why, why, what is it doing? Um, and that led me to continue my education while I was working. A company paid for it and um, learned what it was doing behind the scenes, and that was the actual, um, uh, what coding is all about, right? So the simple way I explain it um, is if you go to ATM right, and you put your card in and you hit put punch in your pin, when you, once you punch in your pin number and you hit enter, behind that enter button, it's going to do stuff. And that's, the code is going to validate your pin number against you know, a database, right? So right. And then once you say, it asks you, what do you want to do? Withdraw, deposit. So for every button that you press, someone coded something to happen. Meaning if you say, I want to withdraw $20 and you hit go or enter, then the computer says, okay, let me see if you have $20. Oh, Okay. Then mathematical equation is takes place, which is someone coded to say, "Oh, he has two hundred dollars. Let's subtract twenty and put back one eighty, and then dispense the twenty. So a lot of coding is done. Mathematic everything boils down to mathematical equations, and and then once the the twenties uh, this uh, uh, subtracted. Then there's computer language that was coded by someone like me that says, "Do you want another transaction? Do you want?" And and then it just keeps on going. So it's it's uh, coding and machine language is event driven, meaning you ask it to do something, it'll do it for you, and that's it's the same thing with your car today. If you you know, hit it, for those of us who have electronic dashboards, right? right. You hit a button; it it, it just doesn't automatically magically do something. Literally, someone coded it to say, "Oh, you want to turn the AC up or or down or unlock the door." It's it's all computer machine language. Oh wow! And I I see. Do you would you encourage like because right now with the generation coming on a lot of them are looking into it and being entrepreneurs and um is it some is it a path that you would encourage absolutely absolutely there's two paths um you know and and this is well let me not just say it's 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 unlimited the paths that an individual um can take but specifically I encourage engineering, the medical field, and IT as a as a path only because you can go to any state, any country, and with little effort get a job. Oh. Any state, any country, recession, depression, or not. You know, you're always going to need... Someone's always going to be sick, right? If you right. go in the medical field, right? So you'll never be out of a job. Very, right? very. Yeah. Uh, and then with IT and computers, we're living in a day and time where, you know, data and computers are doing everything. Um, even those robots that are building our cars today. Yes, I see. Literally, that. someone, someone um, coded the robot to 
do what it's doing. So, so like your car is like your, I mean, you drive a, a Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. So, right. So that, you, you know, is someone in IT telling the car, you know. Yeah. And, and to me, a Tesla is nothing but a, a computer on wheels. Right. When I go in the car, it, it recognizes because of my cell phone, who I am. And it just validates me. I don't have to punch in a password to drive it. But if it didn't validate my phone via Bluetooth, the car wouldn't wake up, so to speak. So, you know, someone, I, I heard this, I mean, I didn't coin the phrase, um, but I heard it, you know, well later on in my career as a, a professor, I was listening to a professor uh, give a speech and it was mind boggling, but it made so much sense. He said that, he was talking to students. He said that the job you're going to get when you graduate has not been invented yet. And that was, I had to think about that. It's like, then, so a lot of folks go to school and say, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what kind of job. So that's the, 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 I don't know part yet, but yeah, who knew that Tesla was going to be around I didn't no. know Tesla or EVs were going to be around in the 80s and the 90s. So, yeah, the the although I'm not designing for cars, but who would have known that that job had not been invented yet? So, it's just like, you know, the IT, it's just the it, it's the I mean, the, the spaceships going into space. Yeah. You know, think about it. all of it. it's yeah, it's jet fuel, but it's it's computer and logic and IT that just makes it do what it does. Okay. Well, yeah, it's it's the it's the wave of the future. We live on our phones, our iPads. Everything right now has some type of computer software in the background that's going on. So I wanted to go down another path because I'm I'm curious of, and I'm sure the listeners are also curious about consulting. Clad's resources and consulting values its customers. Our planner footsteps to my vision is a 13 month planner that can be used for five years. It walks you through smart goals, SWOT analysis, action planning, and holds you accountable through three monthly check-ins. We work only with top quality materials, innovative designs, and verified suppliers which are guaranteed to deliver to our high expectations because when it comes to our customer satisfaction, there's no room for compromise. Made with high quality PU leather and paper planner helps you focus on achieving your goals by giving you a sense of personal and professional satisfaction. Some of the amazing features of this product, vision board planner, luxury pen, eight gigabyte USB flash drive, wireless mouse, ultra elegant packaging box, available in five stunning colors, black, red, gold, pink, navy blue. Material, PU leather, 13 month planner, elastic band for easy handling. Our footsteps to my vision is available at Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, our website, and at Walmart. You may also follow us at www.cladsresources.com, Instagram, Clads Resources, Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Clads Resources forward slash. You're listening to Talk with Clads. Find more resources online at cladsresources.com. Now back to the show with your host, Katie Ann. So tell us a little bit about why you chose to do consulting. How did you um, start that journey? Good question. Again, my that decision was uh, motivated by money. (laughs) (laughs) The good almighty Benjamins. Yes. At the end of the day, um, like I said at the beginning, um, I knew that I like nice things. And either you're born with it or you're so lucky that someone gives you things. Um, for those who weren't born with it or don't have anyone to give it to us, 
the only other way is to earn it. True. And I'm not even getting into taking what's not yours, right? Right. So keeping it positive, you, you have to earn it. And I knew that I wasn't born into a rich family. Okay. I, I didn't have anyone in my circle in my life that would give me whatever I wanted. So there was only a one other option is to earn it. Uh, I, and having nice things, um, I wasn't just talking about material things. That's part of it. But I knew I wanted a family. I knew I wanted children. And, you know, again, this is just the way my brain works. You know, it's like I add things up and I, you know, I multiply and I subtract, you know, kind of like the, the logical part of my thinking. And I said, okay, if, if I want a family and I, I want children, well, they need somewhere to live. Right. Okay. Then, okay. If they need somewhere to live, I need a house. Okay. If I have a house, I, I have to pay a, and then I need to go to work. I need a car. And then I started adding up all of these things. And my gosh, they, these things cost money. And um, so to answer your question, I was working in um, downtown West Palm Beach and the uh, company that I was working for at the time was called Thompson Medical. Um, they were um, located in the, on the 21st floor of the Esperante building. That's the building downtown that has the blue cap. Um, it was one of the only high rises in downtown uh, in the mid 90s. and that company was uh, bought out by another company and I was only at that company for one year. And I, it was like, I loved the job and I, I thought, my, my gosh, I would never leave that job. And I grew up in the age where you had a job for 10, 20, 30, basically you retire there. Um, it wasn't like today where the, the Every two ex- years, someone's yes, going, expect, yes, yes, that's, that's actually the new norm right now. Exactly. I grew up with guys who were at these jobs where I work at that. They were there since high school and they're in their 40s and in their 50s. So that was my mindset. And then in the 90s, things are shifted where 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 companies started to buy each other up and, and split and sell. And that was like the thing. So um, here I am, uh, new to Florida, um, and then the company that bought us was in New York, and they they, they wanted offered me to move to New York to work, and it's like, man, I just got to Florida, and I and I got used to the sun, and I I did. You want became to a Floridian. I, in the Floridian <laughs> <time>. <laughs> Go figure. And I didn't want to move back to the cold, so um, the software that we were using at Thompson Medical uh, software is called J.D. Edwards. It's an ERP system. And ERP system is basically a a software that's uh, fully integrated. It does inventory purchasing, sales, manufacturing. It's just a one-stop software that will do everything for a company. And the account manager was visiting our company at the time. And my my boss knew his very, very nice guy at that time that I didn't want to move to New York. And he just mentioned to uh, the account manager, um, do you have any openings? And he says, yeah, for a matter of fact, he had openings. So I said, great. It's like that was my shoe in. But I didn't know at that time that it was for traveling and consulting. And part of consulting means that you go to different companies. Um, So that was my... um, shoe into consulting so i in essence wasn't working as a consultant then but i was working for a consulting firm um working for a consulting firm for five another five years um i got to learn uh, how these consulting firms worked and operated and a light bulb went off in my head one day and said hey i can do this yes it was like it's kind of easy um, it was easy because I had the skill set, right? I had the knowledge and the know-how, so it it was easy. So I just decided on my own back in 1999 that when my next assignment, the assignment that it was on when it's finished, I would start my own firm and start consulting for myself. Oh, wow. So uh, I opened my first company 
a consultant firm in 1999 and um, uh, consulted. My first consulting gig was for a company called uh, PSS Physician Sales and Services out in Jacksonville, Florida. And I worked there for my first consulting assignment was for three years. And um, yeah, so this was in the 2000s. And I, it was it was an out-of-this-world experience in on many levels. I was doing the same software development business right. analyst, um, but the income was just mind-boggling. I w- was making a little over $30,000 a month. Oh, wow. That was, that's, that's a very good income. So let me ask you this. What would you say is a common myth about consulting, and how do you debunk that? In my, in my experience, a common myth about consulting is it's it's hard it's a lot of work right right and it only appears to be hard if 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 you're i mean you can be i mean if you look at these guys who are or or mowing lawns and they have a business um in essence they're consulting um because they don't have one client True. Right, they're going from client to client. They lose clients. They gain clients. Um, so, um, but if you're good at what you do, it, it, it's 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 easy. It becomes easy. So um, that that's that's one thing that I hear a lot. It's hard, and, and how do you do it? And um, and then another myth was, oh, you it. it it's a lot of work to get mm. it up and running and it really isn't. Um, I actually, without knowing much, did my own incorporation. Okay. Right. I filled out the documentation. I sent it, uh, to the, um, uh, state of Florida, um, did my own, um, uh, federal ID. Um, I asked some questions, but a lot of that stuff I did myself and, I just started and and did it. And the more I did it, uh, when I say it, I mean, the consultant work, it it, it was no different than what I was doing working for a consulting firm. And it was no different than working for an employer. Okay. So how did you build that customer base? It builds itself. If you remember early on in our conversation, I said, if you have a niche and you're good at what you do, the work will find you. Oh, some gems there. Yeah. So I didn't have to pound on doors looking for clients. The word got around that as I did work for clients, and I, 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 I did my work to the best of my ability, and more times than often, I went above and beyond. I actually... Uh, did more than what they asked for. And um, it, it's kind of like going to the florist and you you order a bouquet of flowers and then it's much more than what you expected. It's like you're, you're, you have gratitude, you're surprised, and, and you would pay anything because it was much. So it, it was, that's what I did for my clients. Um, okay. And then when they receive the services and the, the products that I um, uh, produced, they had no choice but to recommend me the next time someone asked them, hey, do you know someone? And it, I was at the top of their list. And um, all of the assignments that I've gotten over the, you know, 20 years, it's literally been by a recommendation. Right. So your your, your quality of work sold itself. So. Absolutely. What was your greatest fear going into consulting and how did you manage that? My greatest fear was um, disappointing uh, my clients. My greatest fear was um, what if I, what if the work dries up? Yeah. That forced me, and again, this is a fear part, to work a little harder, work a little longer. And it was kind of like paying it forward for myself. I had an assignment. My longest assignment was 11 years, and that's unheard of to have. That is a the, long yeah, assignment. Absolutely. The average assignment um, is 11 to 24 months. 
Uh, this one lasted 11 years. I made a, a promise to myself that I'm going to really go above and beyond for this client. And one of the things I did was, besides doing a great job, I never billed them more than 40 hours. So there are times when I work 60 hours. There are times when I work 50 hours. But I will never bill more than 40 um, and I'm sure they appreciated that. And on top of that, they knew I was doing a good work. So in their mind, just from a, a, a dollar perspective, I was then an asset to them. Right. right? Not necessarily a liability because the, the folks that I was doing the work for, um, they would have to answer to someone, their boss, their boss. And, I realized that that strategy worked out for me, uh, being at that client um, for 11 years, because the only of the company, when he was wanting to tighten the belt back in 96, 97, when the recession, uh, financial recession was going on, they were looking for ways to cut. And basically, they the way they did it, they looked at um, their expenses, uh, right. the most expensive, and you know, I will hear, I mean, stories that I'm told from my boss, like, my name would always come up. It's like, what, what, what's this line item? Why do we need this person? And, and my boss and his boss, it was easy for them to uh, speak to the owners of the company of the value that this person brings to the company, right? So, yes, my um, consulting dollars were was high, but they had value. Right. So um, my fears um, turned out. To, it, it drove me to work harder, but it it, it it paid off in the end. Okay. So what what advice would you give someone that wants to go into um, IT consulting? My advice would be, you know, make sure you love your job right. or whatever it is that you're consulting for. Because you don't want to wake up in the morning and, you know, dread the drive into work or the train ride into work <laughs> um, or the bus ride into work. Um, because it's at some point, I'm sure many people have said this before, like there's not enough money in the word world to dot, 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 dot. Right. right. Um, because, you know, they don't enjoy the money's good, but they don't. Enjoy yeah. Do. There's no passion for what right. you do. So you, you got to enjoy what is it that you're doing. And then um, when you do have that that thing that you're doing, and again, you could be consulting in IT or any other job. Just make sure that you're good at it. Yeah. Because it. it I figured out that it'll take about a year for someone to pull the wool over somebody's eyes because you can talk a good game and say, hey, I know how to do this. I can do that. But at some point you have to deliver. But just make sure that you're consulting in a field where you have some experience. And um, if you're looking for, you know, the big payout, um, it'll have to be a niche business where not the average Joe can do it. Okay. So what's been your best memory related to consulting? My best memory, which turns out to be, um, you know, in the long run, not a good one. But <laughs> <laughs> my best memory is when I first realized that I can eat and have somebody else pay for it. <laughs> Ergo, my, my expense account. Oh, my God. Listen, and I'll let, let's just do a disclaimer. If you fake an expense report, which I'm hoping this is not where this is going, <laughs> there is a crime to it. <laughs> so, um, as I traveled uh, for work, uh, I worked in Denver. I worked in Chicago, Philadelphia, Miami. These companies would pay my airline tickets. They would pay for my hotel, my car rentals, my food, you name it, everything. Dry cleaning, I didn't have to spend any of my own money. Um, and you had a per diem for breakfast, you had a per diem for lunch, and you had a per diem for your dinner. And um, I pretty much was just 
oh, I'll take that and I'll take that on the menu, knowing that I didn't have to pay for it. Somebody else would. So um, put on some weight (laughs) 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 until I figured out, you know what, you know, just because someone's paying for it, I'll just you know, back off of the eating, but... Oh, yeah. so you were not faking an expense report. You were actually using your expense report. Oh, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. let's clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And then um, I was, you know, at the end of a hard day, you would have a, a drink or two, and they even paid for your drinks. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've worked for organizations that they do that, and I've worked for organizations that have a strict, strict, strict no-drinking policy. They're not going to pay for it. But... What has been your best lesson uh, that you can share uh, regarding IT and consulting? I would say if there were, you know, a top 10 or a top five, my top lesson would be no matter how good you are, never brag, never pat yourself on the shoulder. Never pat yourself on the shoulder now. I stay patting myself on the back. (laughs) (laughs) And why do you say that? I'm curious. If you do that, in my in my opinion, you you silently um, build enemies within you, a group or, or team. So, are you, you saying patting yourself on the back in front of others, or because it's it's yes. okay? I feel like it's okay to celebrate your wins. I, I agree with you. Um, get in your car or in that train ride home, and you know, do your happy dance, do your you know, I got this. Do that, but when you're in a group, okay, all right. We've heard it. Yeah. I've learned in my career not to do it. And I'll tell you what the it is, is, you know, limit the word I in your conversation. Yes. Right. We, I get it. And I'm I'm sure you experience the, the truth. uh, And this is my experience. So it's my truth that the, you know, you have 80% of the people doing 20% of the work mm-hmm. and 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, right? So if you fall in the 80% that's doing 20% of the work, you know, don't brag about that is what I'm talking about, right? In in in, in a meeting or in a conference or or saying, I, I did this, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, you know, basically- Taking away from the team. Right, so you, 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 you alienate yourself and then when I say you build enemies is, you know, those people that would um, sing praises about you, then you will not find that in that team if you constantly say I. That's true. There's right? no I in the word so team. My top, that's why I said my top, my top one is don't bat, pat yourself on the back or don't sing your praises. But if you manage to have other people sing your praises... Oh my gosh, just doors will open for you because they would say, I know a guy that can dot, 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 dot. Okay. All right. Got it. All right. So let's talk about, because I am curious and I want to dive a little bit more into that. So do you think it's not, because I, I believe in saying, you know, patting yourself, not in front of others, because then that just becomes like you're boasting. But is it okay for you to celebrate the wins? Not necessarily in a public setting, because how do you encourage yourself if 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 sometimes when others won't? For me, from my experience, um, it, it it was two things, um, and one the the money was there. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> You're big on money. I've heard you say money yes. so many times. It, it, it was. It, <laughs> it was there. Yeah. You know, and you know, I even said it. To myself, to myself in the mirror, I'm saying it out loud now, you know, when I cash one of my checks, you know, it was directly positive, but <laughs> I said to myself, oh my gosh, I make more in a month than my parents make all year. Oh, wow. You know, so um, it was like, okay, good job, Tim. Now let's do it again next month, you know, and then this, so it kind of made me keep on going. And it became so easy. I'm just stressing on the easy part because, A, I was good at it, and B, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So that's where the easy part comes in. Okay. So, I mean, you celebrated the wins. Just You just celebrated it quietly. Yeah, quietly. Quietly. And, you know, having the nice things, you know, when, when, you know, when I was able to have children, 
and you know Drake, they dressed nice, they had nice things, and I always instilled in them, you know, don't brag to your friends. Be humble. Be humble because they might not have or be in that position to have those new sneakers uh, or the latest jeans that you have. And you don't want them feeling some kind of way. So, you know, just enjoy the things you have, but, you know, don't showboat. Okay. So let's discuss influence. Who have been the three most influential people in your life? Uh, me? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm one of... <laughs> oh, did you just... Oh, oh, my God. I just saw where this is going. Did you just say you are yes, the... <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yes. Um, me, uh, number one. And number two, you know, I, I, I can't say there's a number two. Right. I, I'm not going to... Uh, sit here and say, oh, um, uh, Thurgood Marshall or some, I'm, I'm, I'm black, African-American, so I'm not going to just pick someone in history to say and, and cling on to them. No, to no, yeah. just, just along your path. You know, that person doesn't have to be famous, but that person gave you some advice that kind of stuck. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was one person. Yeah. Right. So, no, I don't have that one person that I uh, in my mind that I cling to. But it was a, a lot of people, and some of which I don't know or remember their names. And right. What I mean by that is in the workforce. I mean, I spent, I still am in corporate America. Right. So I spent the majority of my career in corporate America, and back in the eighties, um, there was what is known it's limited today but what is known as a a mentor um so those of us who those of you who are privileged to have a mentor in your yes. life you know not everyone has that and cherish that because you know a mentor helps guide you but those who didn't have one me um you you really had to dig deep in yourself to inspire yourself to push yourself okay. um so that's why i i claim me um but yes i've had a lot of people in the workplace saying hey tim good job i heard dot 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 so there again someone's singing my praises someone's talking about me in a good light and then when word gets around that you know, um, you did a good job. When when these people move on to other companies, um, they're going to remember you. And they and that's how I've gotten my assignments. They've called me, say, hey, I remember, you know, Joe said, you know, you did a good job for him. And they just knew I would do a good job for them. And I've never had to interview. I've, I've had my resume um, and I've had it over the years, but I really never had to interview for a job. That's really good. That's very good. So um, what is one question that I have not asked you that you'd have liked me to ask you today? Um, my failures. Okay. So let's discuss yeah. it. So yeah. what's, what's one failure that you'd say was a, a, one of your biggest lessons for you along your journey? I don't have many failures, but I have some big ones. Right. And and my my biggest failure is what I I I took as my strength. Right. And that is being on an island by myself. Um and I got to the point where in in work and in life I mm -hmm. Everything that I did and everything that I accomplished, I, in my mind, I did it myself, for myself, by myself. Well, no man is an island. Right. So I got to the realization that, oh, my gosh, all these years I was doing everything um, when it would have been just so easy to team up with someone, right? Uh, or a group of people to lighten the load. And and so when I did fail at something, um, one reason could have been that I took on too much. Okay. When if I'd only asked for help, and I thought um, asking for help was a sign of weakness, right? Um and it didn't have, I didn't have to look at it that way. I could have asked for help to say, hey, could we 
team up and not look at it like I needed um, to to uh, you know a, a push in a certain direction or or someone to lift me up. Um, but it, it it's that so that's one of my weaknesses. Um, even to this day, is asking for help. Okay. Um, but because it, it's it was a matter of pride. Because you know when I create things, you know develop and design things, it's a matter of pride to say I did it. It's like okay, look what I did. It was like and you you marvel at it and say okay, you go on to the next thing. But it's you don't get that level of pride when you say we did this. You know, like a, a group of people. Um, so I look at Elon Musk. Uh, when he gets up there and he does his speeches and, you know, he's always congratulating his team of engineers and he's never taking credit for himself, right. even though, you know, you could look at him like a genius, like look what he's done and created. But it was, he just had a lot of smart people behind him. him. Yeah. He was smart enough him. to hire right. smart people. So, and, you know, he didn't do it himself. He sure did. Right. So, um, yeah, that was uh, one of my failures. And my fear of failure was a driving uh, factor in my in, in in my successful career, and I, I didn't have to have that fear uh, if I just knew that I did the best job that everything will work out. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, you have dropped some gems in this interview. Where can our listeners connect with you online? They can connect with me on. Um, um, I, uh, www.timothywallace.com. Um, it's a, a website uh, that has my uh, profile, um, has my resume on there. Although I am not consulting these days. Uh, funny story, I stopped consulting and I took a full-time job um, prior to uh, um, um, COVID hitting. Right. So everything worked out. I actually am working for a company. Uh, in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. So um, I'm not traveling. I'm not heading to the airport every week. I'm not leaving out of a suitcase. Well, you're uh, having that, that work-life balance now. Yes. We're uh, married. Um, uh, three children. Uh, newborn, one under one year. So, so yes, work-life balance. That is important, especially with the, the baby Absolutely. that's under one. One years old, yeah. So that, that's a little work in itself. So thank you so much, Tim, for taking the time to sit and have this discussion with us. And uh, to my listeners, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with Clads. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Clads Resources and online at www.cladsresources.com. Our planner, Footsteps to My Vision, is also located on our website or on Facebook, Instagram, or Amazon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, and check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep creating your footpath to your vision.